0: This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Hello and welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast which discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Cathy Reed, And I'm Scarlett Baldwin. And this week we are joined by the Queen of New Theatre. (laughs) This amazing woman has brought over 50 shows to the theatre since 2012. Yes, 50 shows in six years. She is the producer and company director of ARIA Entertainment, producing shows such as The Addams Family UK Tour, Pippin, Hair, Little Woman, Yank, Toxic Avenger, Unexpected Joy, Putting It Together, Aspects of Love, rags the list goes on and on (laughs) Uh, her shows have won various awards too many for us to list and she was recently awarded um stage most influential people of the year with hope mill Yes. yeah um in 2018 as well as being awarded the best producer award in 2017 it is
1: the glorious katie lipson hi thanks for having me i'm i'm great how are you guys Good. <laughs>
2: Excited to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Can't yeah. wait. So, so we always start with a little game. Okay. A word association game. Oh
1: gosh. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Yes, I am. First one. Love. Everyone. Theater. Across the world. Investment. Give me your money. <laughs> <laughs> Holiday. Please, can I have another? Dogs. I love them. Prosecco. All the time. <laughs> Press it out. Ooh. I love them. Chocolate buttons. I love chocolate. I we some right now. Do
2: you want to forget some? No, I can't.
1: Sure. <laughs> Shopping. I uh, don't get as much time for that as I'd like, but it's cool. Musicals. My life. Yay. Oh. Amazing. Sorry, was I meant to do the really fast answers and I no, just no, did No, like, you no, you were That was fast. Year. Yeah. Go on.
2: <laughs> so... First question, to be a producer you need to love what you're creating. What started your love for musicals?
1: My love for musicals started um, really as far back as I can remember. I had a very musical household. My mum loved to sing. My my grandma, she used to take me to all of the shows with my grandpa and there was a piano at the house so that they were always playing it and I learnt the piano from six years old. And my mum actually says that I sang before I spoke and she used to say the abba song thank you for the music was actually quite true with me. Aww. And I had a I just I just loved it. She played all the mixtapes in the car Rogerson and Hammerstein, Jerry Herman, Lloyd Webber, Sondheim and I was obsessed. That's what I listened to. It wasn't pop music when I was a little bit older. It was musicals. Um and then I started to play it on the piano and singing and playing was my thing and going to see shows was my was my thing. So I was very lucky. I loved it and my family loved it. Um when you're young, you don't really know what jobs there are in theatre. You just think performing, you know. Yeah. So I did amateur dramatics, school plays, all of the, all of the, all of them. But um, it was really the musicals that I was attracted to. Anything that had music in it. Um, so that yeah. the love affair began then, and it continues now.
0: Amazing. <laughs> I love it. What was your favourite musical
1: as a child? I mean, probably something like Beauty and the Beast and yeah. then Les Mis because they were sort of the two biggest shows yeah. I saw yeah, yeah, when yeah. I was young, but. I do remember loving the tapes of Sound of Music, Mary Poppins, Little Mermaid. I loved them all. And um, because I was able to to, to make it personal, to sit on the Mm -hmm. piano and play them, it just became, you know, part of my life. And I was always musical at school. Even at five, I was leading the choir. I was getting the solos. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, at secondary school, I was doing main parts. But, you know, I didn't really understand, like I said, what more there was to mm. to musical theatre than really singing and playing at all. But, you know, I, I think it was the songs that brought me in first, before the drama. As mm-hmm. I've got older, I've appreciated story more, yeah. but mm-hmm. as a young person, it was certainly the tunes, the yeah. music, the melody, yeah, um, which mm-hmm. is really quite understandable, and I understand more about myself when I look back of decisions I made, even as a producer. And... Mm. Um, but yeah, it's always been the great love of my life, music in general.
0: Yeah, love it. So talking of being a producer, uh, many of our listeners may not know that you haven't always been a producer. You started a human genetics degree, which I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, you were also in the final workshop as a performer for Zorro, yeah. I believe. And you've also been a piano teacher and a musical director. Can you briefly talk us through your career to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so at 18, I moved to London from, from Manchester to study human genetics at University College London. I always loved science at school. You didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was good at science. You know, for my A-levels, I did music, biology, chemistry, and drama, Love completely it. down the middle. And okay. I was at a beautiful, beautiful, I say, I was at a, um, a wonderful school called Manchester High School for Girls, which actually is very famous for having, you know, a lot of successful women. Um, and even, you know, the Pankhursts, they were there, you know, wow. the suffragettes, and uh, basically they they were very encouraging, and I love school, because I like that one-on-one tuition you got, and mm-hmm. small classes, and all the extracurricular activities, and they encouraged me to pursue music, where a lot of academic institutions ask you to potentially avoid the arts, mm-hmm. yeah. but no, they said, Katie, you should be doing music, if you want to do science, fine, but I was very interested in science, plus um, my mum actually had... um a rare genetic illness. She's fine at everything, but it was quite fascinating as a young person to go to her lectures and seminars and charity fundraisers to learn about this genetic illness. And, you know, when I did my work experience at 16, I went to study genetics and went to a lab and tested for blood blood platelets oh, really? for illnesses and looked at how my mum's disease was diagnosed oh, yeah. and how complicated it was. And I don't know, I just think, you know, when you're younger, you don't always know because you don't know what, what, you, what you're really necessarily good Mm -hmm. at and uh, what opportunities there are out there. So did genetics, wasn't happy. I came at 18 to London and I was in student halls and very different to being at school and a lot of my friends were younger and they were back in manchester and i just couldn't connect with this whole sitting in a theater with 400 people and just learning that everything that you learnt at school was a lie and you needed to <laughs> yeah. read 100 books i realized again through my career now as a producer that i am very good at multitasking and doing a lot at once but if yeah. you ask me to focus on one thing just one in so much detail for hours and hours and hours. That's not my bag. I don't want to just be doing that. I want to be reading a script in development, a budget on this, in pre-production for that, in rehearsal for that. So I realised that that's why I was good at school, because I had Mm -hmm. ten ten subjects, and I like floating from one to the other and having that diversity of projects and subject matter. So I said to my parents, who were very supportive and very lucky on reflection, I said, oh, I'm not sure this is for me, but I'd like to stay in London. I'm not sure I want to be a performer, but I quite like the look of this college, LSMT. Um, I was always reading the stage. It was always yeah. that little spark of what else is there out there? Mm-hmm. So I was very familiar with the fact that the stage were advertising in the advert sections that the LSMT had places left. Mm-hmm. It was one year, and I thought, well, it's not too much commitment But most of all, it had an original composer attached to the school, Charles Miller, which began my love affair with Charles. But ultimately, it meant that I could be part of a creative establishment. And I was 19, and I I auditioned, and I got the last place. And again, my parents supported me, so I was very, very lucky, because that wouldn't have been as easy to do, Mm -hmm. um, had they not. But I did that. Um, I got a great agent leaving LSMT and that's when I worked on Zorro and I did a production of the last five years and I started working as an actor musician and an MD because I'd taken my piano very advanced at that point. I'd done my grade eight two years before, but I played musicals and Mm. I said, I can do this. I I can play, I can accompany. So there I started um, MDing as well. But one thing I've missed out is that at UCL during the genetics degree, I met a, a colleague, a friend who became like my best friend um giles who wrote an opera and uh, i helped him write some songs and we started putting on um that sh- you know that opera yeah. and we set up our first little theater company called a stage kindly and in those days a stage kindly was everything to me it was my aria mm-hmm. um, we put on musicals we put on musical reviews this was the time a perfect picture just started mm-hmm. we were finding a new american musicals to do here in the way they were doing british we would find the songs um we would select that select the best song we would find an actor we would find a venue and we'd perform in pizza on mm. the park and you know freedom bar and sway bar and you know the Pheasantry, all mm. these sorts of bars and i would play the piano and i would really hone my md skills and like you guys you're doing something for a great cause we thought we were doing that for new musicals and we just threw ourselves in mm. there was no finance in place but the shows were very small so mm. we could pretty much bankroll them with a bit of savings. And we did about 10, 11 shows over three years. Mm -hmm. So through that, I was at, you know, uh, LSMT, And then I finally went to Goldsmiths and studied classical music Mm -hmm. for three years. So through that five year of higher education, I was working as a MD. I went on the UK tour of um, Hot Flush as the assistant MD. I went to Europe as the 12 Tenors MD for three months. Um, I was in the Zorro. I did a show at Liverpool, Everyman and Playhouse, an active musician, Pantomime. Um, and I was MDing 10, 11 shows with a stage, Kindly. I MD'd It's a Wonderful Life. I did Panto in our broth. I, Music. you know, all this was happening and I was doing this degree and I was in my early 20s. I was quite happy earning good money, studying, doing a bit of producing. I didn't care about making money as a producer because it all worked together to create my happiness. Yeah. I would say that I was happy I was very happy with the way that all worked together I didn't have you know when you're younger you don't necessarily have financial uh, you don't put financial pressure on yourself mm. you don't give yourself uh, obstacles that necessarily I didn't um, feel out of reach very quickly I decided I didn't want to audition for shows that was not my thing I didn't really do much and feel I wasn't getting anywhere yes there was a few auditions and I didn't get past the first round and stuff but it didn't really demoralize me because I guess I didn't really care to be a performer. I always knew, even at LSMT, that that wasn't really my calling and that mm. there was something I loved about the stage kindly. I really, really liked finding an actor, putting a casting on Spotlight, writing a contract, getting a flyer, distributing it, finding a venue, doing all that stuff. Mm. I really, really enjoyed it. Even paying the bills, I enjoyed it running a little business I kind of like the way it all worked together but it was very small at that point but baby steps led me to here Um, so yeah hung up hung up the uh, acting auditions carried on working as an MD and then after the music degree I got a job really a really lovely job actually as a vocal coach and repertoire coach at the Brit School which was really prestigious. It was a really good wage at the time. I was like, wow, this is great. Mm-hmm. And that was a really important thing because I had the skills to play the piano and teach singing and repertoire really, because that was where I knew so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could teach, and I could teach everybody like original repertoire for my stage kindly collection. I, I just was able to work for three days a week full time and th- earn enough money to throw myself into two days of just giving to the company for free but investing my time in learning about what producing was, who was a producer I admired, what was regional theatre landscape, what does the Arts Council do, who are the greatest writers, what do I want to happen to this company and you know after working at the Brit School for a bit I kind of decided that I didn't even want to MD anymore, I just wanted to focus on producing, it was suddenly was two moments really I don't know if this isn't a later question but I had a light bulb moment and that's when Ari was born really and I can talk more about that if you want but the stage kindly sort of closed because me and my partner wanted different things he was a very talented is a very talented composer Mm -hmm. and I felt that he needed the vehicle of the company to promote his work yet I wanted to start to expand into Mm -hmm. musical revivals as much as new work so we felt it was best to put that to bed Um, plus he moved abroad as well and I set up Aria and really two real light bulb moments happened. one was I was musically directing a new musical in South End on C for Christmas and I thought it was the most spectacular score I had ever heard to the point where I' would cry in actually I was assistant MD and the composer was the MD Andy Collier if you're listening um, we would cry we would cry in the middle of the oh. um, show because well he was just... The most emotional wonderful composer that just was moved seeing people sing his work but i was enchanted by it i felt like a five-year-old girl seeing beauty and the beast for the first time this is enchanting and i said to andy oh my gosh i need to take this score and i need to make it something else i don't want it to be panto-esque i want it to be a magical snowman mm. you know i want it to be big nine witch in the wardrobe fantasy show mm. and that, and funny enough, I haven't put it on yet, but it, it's taken time. Christmas has its difficulties, yeah. but that was an inspiration that I had that impetus to really take control of a product. And number two, someone had told me about Stage 1, which is a workshop for new producers where you go meet commercial producers. And the minute I sat in a room and saw commercial producers talk to me about the West End, I went, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Or at least I want to be doing this as a job, yeah. not as a passion um, and the difference between amateur and professional is always, can you earn mm. money? Yeah. Can you be paid for what you're doing? And that's the same for producers, you know. You can be philanthropic for your shows and put money into the fringe stuff that isn't got a financial model that works, but I wanted to take it seriously. And that brought me on to 20, kind of 2011, you know, where I was like, okay, this is... I think I was in my mid-20s now, so it kind of all makes sense. To finish my degree, I was still mm-hmm. teaching reached a point of my a bit older I want to take this more seriously Mm -hmm. and um, you know I finally after a while gave up the teaching at Brit School to focus on ARIA full time but I had to know I had enough money coming in to do it even if it was a very small salary so that kind of brings me on to starting ARIA so that's my Mm -hmm. quick journey but you're right I've MD'd a few shows performed in a few written a few produced countless shows with the stage kindly had a lot of experience on the fringe a lot and I sort of feel like I pretty much know the fringe, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, but it's, um, it's changing all the time. And the fringe is very important as well because it gives platform to shows that wouldn't get a life yeah. mm-hmm. elsewhere. it's so, an incredible story.
2: <laughs> Why still... did you call Aria Entertainment I just
1: Aria Entertainment? <laughs> I just, it just, I was on holiday in Dubai and I was just stood in the hotel room and I was like, what would I call my company? It just came to me straight away. Just, no. I liked it's Aria, possible. Aria. It's yeah. a song in uh, Italian yeah. for an op- in opera, and I just felt it was quite beautiful, yeah, ring to it. it. And I also brilliant. never wanted to call myself Katie Lipson Productions. I felt that was a yeah. bit normal, maybe a bit boring, and also, you know, they everyone then demands you in the room all the time. Don't get me wrong; they still want me in the room, but at least it gives a bit of like you're a bit of an enigma mm. if you're mm-hmm. Aria. Like how many people are in the company you know is it just you is it three is it ten and also it means that we can venture into film production or you know literary and sort of publishing we can do anything we don't just have to do productions entertainment company indeed
2: I love it indeed so next question Katie what is your experience with with mental health can you talk us through
1: your journey in my personal journey or just in general totally up to you how you well I we signed uh, well, it all ca- when I started Aria. I started reading a lot about it online, and I def- I definitely followed Anne-Marie Lu- uh, Lewis Thomas', Thomas, Thomas, Thomas yeah. um, mental health charter, oh, which yes. I signed up for with Aria. And yeah, you were the first ones. Was, was I one I not, of the first yeah. with a couple of agencies? And when it's you know we you know it's something that we send out for performers to read, and you know as you expand and you grow even as a human being yourself and you get more experience you look into it more and more and obviously we had a very tragic case in our production of Pippin where we lost a cast member um before our London transfer which was obviously like very very hard and uh you know I didn't really know how to deal with it if it wasn't for like some of our co-producers like Guy James who was unbelievable you know, because I struggled to actually speak yeah. <laughs> to the company in London and he really could hold it together and Will and Joe, you know, it was really hard. So that was obviously like my big experience with it, which was quite a big one to deal with. Yeah. Um But it just, again, highlighted just how important it is to talk and to understand the value of conversation between you and performers as well. Like, we had a lot of young people in that company and... It was interesting just to see how they might respond when you just spend 10 minutes with a, a young performer and they, they, they're like, oh, the producer just spent some time with me and that mm-hmm. felt really great. And sometimes you devalue you your importance or how someone might value your time because you don't look at yourself like that. So, you know, it's something that really is important and you guys are really doing something important because actually talking is everything. and awareness is everything, and understanding everybody's job is everything, and you are all a team, and you're all trying to do something, and even in life, not just the arts, it's something that affects everyone. So, you know, after that, I feel very proud of my company, and the production, and what we achieved in London. It was a magical thing, and I don't know, that company will never ever, you know... They will always be close. They will always have mm-hmm. something between them that they were so united. It was very powerful and affecting experience. Um and something magical happened, like at Southwark Playhouse, it really mm-hmm. did. The show did the show has a quite a clear mental health, you know yeah. uh storyline in a sub- subtextual way, if that makes sense, you know, about Pippin, know if yeah. you know it, but yeah. I don't know, it was it was hard and You know, I think I'm stronger for it, but yeah, yeah, um, that's kind of my main experience from being the boss and actually thinking, gosh, these are people that are working for me, and my responsibility to look after them is very important. And how much can I look after everybody if I don't know? And who's going to look after me as well? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and it started to make me think about creatives and about producers' mental health which is why I was really pleased you asked me to do this. Um, but, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's why we want to highlight creators in this series,
0: because it's easy as an actor to... There's always someone that you can go to, um, be it, like, your company manager or, or the producer or something. Yeah. Whereas, like, the kind of higher up the ladder, as you will, with who's making the decisions, is like, who do they go to? So yeah. That, like, exactly. Yeah. That's why we wanted to highlight it.
1: Yeah, Totally, and also one of the main things I talk about, even when I just do a, action through song showcase, and if you remember, is um, the amount of rejection we get and how often we get it and across how many mediums. So you'd think you can get rejected from a theatre, they don't want your show. You could get rejected mm. by an actor, they don't want to be in the show. You could get rejected from an investor who doesn't want to finance the show. You could get rejected by the rights holders who don't want you to have the actual title. You could get rejected by um, the critics, they could say it's not good and ultimately you could be rejected by the audience as no one comes and that happens again and again and again and you're trying to make a business with a multiple amount of products and one minute you're getting hit with bad sales there, the next minute you're getting hit with bad critique there, the next minute you're getting hit with demands there that are unreasonable then you're getting told that despite everything you're doing people aren't happy and actually there's nothing you can do to do that because people are people but you do take that personally Mm -hmm. to be a good producer you want to be emotional but by being emotional you get upset you can get upset you can take things to heart you can feel like you're not doing enough when you are and so your biggest strength is your biggest weakness and Mm -hmm. I've always felt that with myself Mm -hmm. actually my passion to do a lot can sometimes be a weakness because if I did just focus on one idea maybe I would just never get overwhelmed with everything else but actually my ability to do a lot and to take on a lot makes me thrive it ultimately makes me thrive it makes me excited which makes me get through and makes me do better work so um yeah but it's it's lonely at the top especially Mm. when you're independent you are your own boss if there's not enough money you do not pay yourself everything comes on you. Everybody else works for you, reports to you, but if they don't do their job properly, you're in the firing line. It's tough. And because there's a lot of people below you, people don't ultimately understand always the bigger picture Mm -hmm. and that there's so many parts to something working or not working. And, you know, it's not a producer's fault if something's not successful or, you know, Mm. if it's not... You know it's 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 very complicated. It depends yeah. on which project, and you know, um, but certainly important to highlight it. I'm in exactly the same position as an actor. I'm trying to make my own work. I if I don't come up with a show for next year, I don't have any income. I don't have money coming in to pay my staff. I don't have the ability to expand my staff base. It's you know if you don't have something like a big hitting show like Harry Potter or Wicked. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not, I haven't seen their bank account, but you can see from the <laughs> yeah. length of time they've stayed that they're probably making money. Not always shows last six years and don't make all their capital back, mm-hmm. but they make enough to keep going. Um, you know, th- those shows not necessarily creates happiness, but can underwrite taking more risks. And mm. we're talk- I'm talking now not just about financial achievement, but, you know, you do want to feel after you've worked on many, many shows a lot of love that you can get to a point where you can make some income because money didn't matter to me at all at the beginning it didn't matter at all because I was younger done it a lot got to a point where I was like this is a business I need to start making it a business and I need to be able to raise some money commercially which took take me t- took me time to build up investors and to bring in a salary for myself and that is a very important thing to do because you can't just put on shows at German Street And the hope mill for no income Mm. and have people assume you are because they think you're doing a lot how do you make it work well it's hard it is hard Mm. and you're putting a lot in yourself yeah
0: Yeah. absolutely so for those who don't know
1: what exactly does a producer do good question kathy everything from picking a title to picking a theater to coming up with the financial model for that show to raising the finance, to picking the director, the rest of the creative team, and contracting them and making sure they know where they're going, to casting the show, to doing the contracts for the cast, to making sure everyone's paid, doing the marketing or finding a marketing, marketing company, the PR, the press. Um, if it's a six-week run, you do it for six weeks. If it's a six-year run, you do it for six years. If the show's bigger, you might have some management to help you with the payroll and things, but on a small fringe show at Southwark, you're doing everything from writing every contract to booking in every comp for press night to arranging the champagne for press night to buying the balloons, giving everyone a programme, dealing with um, a physio appointment to dealing with a bad review. um, And you might do that for free, seriously, Mm -hmm. um, on a fringe level. So, you know, a producer, is the creative helm of a project before they hand it over to the director to say, "You make this vision happen." I've chosen you because I you see what I mm. see. You go in there. Here's your paintbrush. Here's your paint. Here's your canvas. Here's your room. Here's your three hours. Go make magic. If you want me to give you an opinion if it should be red or orange, ask me. Mm. But I trust you to do it. But ultimately, I've made the room. I found all the assets. Go and do it, and then I have to sell the painting, mm-hmm. and it to 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 enough to pay the costs that it got you know it cost me to get the canvas and the paints Uh that's an interesting analogy I use now because I think that's it yeah Yeah.
0: because
1: I'm because we're artists so I'm asking the artist to make something artistic within the budget I've given them and the parameter I have to then try and make sure people come watch come and look at the painting and buy the painting and all Mm -hmm. the prints of the painting and if I can't who's paid for all those assets so um, you've got to understand what might be a good title Who might creatively make it brilliant and unique and sellable? And can I ultimately, under this financial model, make it work? Mm -hmm. So understanding a show's commercial potential and producing it in that way to a degree that it's fair and morally right. As in, can I raise some money in order for people to get a fair wage or a living wage from this production, however small? Mm. That's where it's tricky. Because... uh, you know a lot of the avant-garde cool stuff that's not produced by Hampstead Theatre or a theatre with subsidy is left to be done at the Finborough or the Landor or the Union or the Hope Mill, and it might not get a grant. Someone might not fund it. So you've got to find a way mm. um, if you're not a non for profit with some funding yeah. to do that avant-garde work. So that's kind of what a producer does. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. pretty much everything. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> a much. Lot, yeah, it's really it's a, lot. it's a hard job. Yeah, and you're having a million conversations at once you're negotiating with someone for the theater rent at the same time that you might be negotiating with a star the star might not sign up until you've got the theater the theater won't sign up until you know you've got a star and mm-hmm. you're trying to balance that you're doing deals on hires you're de- you know you're playing the long game with suppliers you're saying i'm here for a while do me a deal now and i'll come back mm-hmm. to you in the future you're asking people to do a lot for you and that's why people think you always that the producers are always pushing their luck a bit because mm-hmm. you're always pushing but you're trying to, to to make art a business and to enrich people's lives with it. There's a lot easier way to make money, believe me. <laughs> so you're not in. If you're not in this for the passion, yeah, then you shouldn't really be doing it because yeah. someone's got to get you out of bed in the morning when shit hits the fan.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. What, what do you do to unwind all this that you do I love to eat. <laughs> I like to
1: go out for dinner and with a glass of wine I really do love that and when I do have a holiday I do love the sun because the sun's the only thing that can really make me switch off yeah. although I can actually do my emails in the sun and be quite motivated. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm quite easily motivated even when I'm at home which is great because it means I can work from my home office mm-hmm. sometimes it's harder to switch off is the negative. Um, but yeah, I like to, I like to eat, um, it's one of my favourite things, to go out for dinner, I like a drink, I like the cinema, I like, uh, you know, I like walking my dog. Oh, he's beautiful, And (laughs) And taking, taking the morning off, well not the morning off, but I always sort of leave my phone at home for that first half hour walk in the morning, and it's nice just to go, oh my god, has he had a wee yet? (laughs) Because that's the most important thing, and it's really nice to like, care about, someone else's simple thing like that than yourself Yeah, you know absolutely yeah absolutely and now a word
0: from our sponsor king manual therapy
1: hi there this is ronan from king manual therapy here at king manual therapy we believe that listening to our clients is how we get our results the consultation process at the beginning of each treatment is as important as the physical treatment itself because this is where we understand and listen to our patients and understand what they actually need us to do Therefore, each treatment is tailored to our clients and not just protocol, which means we're not just treating the pathology, but the person.
2: So according to the Stage article in September 2018, you have produced 50 shows since 2012. How have you managed this and
1: the extreme workload?
2: um, Has it ever affected your mental health?
1: (laughs) It has, it has. I mean, um, yeah, it's about 10 shows a year and always like sort of back to back and um i have to say it's not when things are going well workload's not an issue you mm-hmm. know um there's only there's only been like a couple of moments where i'm like this is too much i mean i'm my own worst enemy to the point where if nothing's happening i'm frustrated With too much is happening i'm frustrated um but usually it's when i'm not in the office i'm in a meeting and i come out and there's 55 emails mm-hmm. that's when i get a little bit overwhelmed but generally i like I like it. And it's it's what the one of the most important things for me ever was getting my lovely Chris Batanle to join Aria, which was in I think 17. He joined. I thought, you know what, I'm doing Adam's family. I might have I've got enough money to pay for a staff member now. This is the first time because I've never done anything commercial, bearing in mind. So we're talking about a time pre-Adam's family where everything was Money was coming and money was going out. It might make a tiny profit from fringe shows and a few shows that made money, like cabaret shows I used to do at the Gatehouse, like Jewish cabaret shows I devised and the odd general management gig for someone else. So it was a very small turnover, but I was still teaching at Brit, yeah. so it didn't matter. Yeah. I was still building the brand. Then I decided I needed a big title and I could raise money and I could afford Chris because on a bigger show, I'm paid a wage just like anyone else and I mm-hmm. could afford to use some of that to, to, for someone else. And that was a big year because Yank transferred, Hope Mill happened and erupted into this big success story. I had some spare capital to invest in some of the losses that we were making on the early shows there. And I had like the hair transfer at the vault. So it was quite a big year. Yeah. And that was a big relief, learning how our business expands, knowing that Chris could do contracts once I'd approve mm-hmm. them. And as Scarlett's, you're doing for me in a in little it. way for my other company. So, um, you know, he was there to ask me when he wasn't sure but he could go ahead and be sort of proactive Mm. and he is unbelievable. He literally is like me as as male form and and he works so quick across so many things and he's diligent and he's smart and I like people that process quick because I process quick and in order to do what we do we have to have that that sort of, you know, uh, what's the word? That has to be our personality trait really and he's very much like that and he sometimes finds it hard to switch off um I think so I've had a couple of moments where I've thought oh my gosh there's too there's too much to deal with I cannot deal with this but really the the real hard hard points in mental health apart from obviously experiencing the loss we did on Pippin from a just a from a, from a point of view of uh the business is when you get into the bigger bigger shows and things aren't going well um when p- things have been interpreted wrong and you're sort of i don't like being represented wrong because i i am sensitive and i do try to present myself in in a good way and i want people to think that of me and it's i I also have a great colleague called guy james who's unbelievable lovely lovely man very very smart very business smart and very sweet but also very tough businessman Mm -hmm. he's a Mm -hmm. producer and an agent and he's always been there for me he's the gent I spoke about with Pippin our co-producer he's been through a lot more he's a bit older than me he's been through a you know experience and he's always grounding me when I have a mental breakdown he's very calm I get very passionate and fiery and he's always like okay you can rant and then you're going to deal with it this way I've done as I've grown up I if I want to send something because I'm feeling disappointed I often write an email and don't send it and then I reflect on it and decide what I'm going to do that's a new thing I've done um the problem is is Feeling like you're. I can feel that I'm I can feel like people see me as successful But yet yeah, I don't feel successful That's a big thing I have Um, I can see Myself being hard on myself For not making things financially more successful um, Critically I haven't beaten myself up so much When I've had negative reviews Because I feel lucky enough to have had so many n- Nice reviews So I don't mm-hmm. feel so disappointed about that that hasn't really made me as down as financial Mm -hmm. uh you know not having financial success um and having so many wonderful new musicals that i felt deserve more that haven't ever got there like the toxic avenger i'm not afraid to talk about things that haven't worked at the arts or unexpected joy or the house mirrors and hearts or you know i've tried so many models i've worked in so many different theaters in so many different ways and you know, I just I think I feel like I've done it all, but there's always then an, yeah, another yeah. surprise. So, I would just like to see something of something take off. Sometimes when they yeah. happen, and that's really get me can get me down. Yeah. Um, I usually bounce back relatively quickly, and I'm so aware. I'm very self-aware, so I I am very good at going. This is a really shit day, but I also know I will have a great day again, which mm-hmm. is great. But when I have a great day, I'm also aware that it does It won't last. And mm. I should really appreciate how I feel. Yeah. And i often very like, public about having a great yeah. day. My persona on Twitter is very much how I am. Um, when I say, oh, I'm so motivated right now. I just can't help but say that. I am mm-hmm. very gushy and instinctive. Yeah. And I don't... I'm very quick. I don't have to... Even when I write emails, it all comes up very quickly. I don't have to ponder and think about how I'm going to express something. I'm quite good at oh, ex- yeah. expressing. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of the way I am. But... Yeah, the hardest times are kind of this year really and last year and when you do things and it's it's hard work on the bigger shows where you bust a gut to finally try and do something and it's not quite you know getting there or you know i do you have a few blows in one go in one day yeah. that's when it's hard the more bigger things you do the more that happens yeah. but then you have a great day and suddenly three investors say yes in one go and suddenly the venue you wanted comes through with the deal and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much different. And it can affect your mood, it really can. But, um, you know, I do think I do think it's important to talk about it because I do know that I'm only at the very, very beginnings of my commercial, commercial career and I look at the bigger producers here and on Broadway and I think to myself, I just don't know if I could continue or want to raise big money for big shows, lo- lose money lose and not get great reviews and just do it again and again and again and again i just don't think that's what i want Mm -hmm. to be in that dog eat dog commercial world convey a belt of broadway especially where there's a lot of shows and so that that's the money side and the other side is just people understanding how hard you're fighting for them how hard you're fighting Mm -hmm. for the show for um for can i explain it to keep to keep it going to keep people's jobs in jobs and I think sometimes it's not it's not understood and you're just getting ass and ass and ass for a lot more than you can give Mm -hmm. and it's horrible to say no especially when you know people are working really hard I find it really difficult Mm -hmm. to deal with that I think I'll get tougher but as I said to you I don't want to lose my sensitivity because I really care about performers and creatives and writers and I I want to I want them to have a great experience in my productions. Mm-hmm. I want to be very present and vocal, and I want yeah. people to feel they can phone me up yeah. mm-hmm. if they need to.
2: Absolutely. And yeah. yeah, I think that's what separates you as well because you are so hands on, like you're in the audition room, like you're there yeah. and you're present. Yeah. And that's it, like yeah. you, you have a great reputation because of that. Because so I've
1: been a performer and I've been a creative, and I've built a business from nothing up to just where I am now, which is really only at the very beginning of hopefully a very fruitful exciting career Mm -hmm. in the next few years but ultimately it is just me. I don't have any colleagues. Chris is not even in London. He heals it too. Then the the day it's on me Mm -hmm. financially the responsibility and that's really hard and also it's still my company and it's Mm -hmm. often projects led by me. I bring other people in. So I have the responsibility to them Mm -hmm. if they get involved and it doesn't doesn't work out or it's always on me. I always feel very responsible for that. But at the same time they make their decisions to come in to get involved or not mm-hmm. um yeah I forgot the question have I gone off topic no it's As it's it's do.
0: so you yeah. are the producing artistic director at the Hope Mill theatre um why are you passionate about producing regional theatre
1: well Hope Mill is just a magical place and I have to say like again I hadn't thought about it so much I'd moved to London and I was trying to do the London Fringe thing I hadn't really thought about the Fringe elsewhere or I wasn't ready to do larger Mm -hmm. tours into regional venues so when Joe and Will gave me a call and said oh you're from Manchester come and see our space and then I was working with James Baker on trying to do Parade I loved the show and I didn't want to do it in London because it'd been done at the Donmar and Southwark Mm -hmm. so it was always about being unique I was very clear about that um it was it was just a magical place and Through doing stuff at Hope Mill, I've I've actually learned even more the importance of the regional landscape. Mm -hmm. At the time, I have to say, it was because I was interested in doing something in a new city that hadn't done these musicals before in this incredible fringe space that we as three were in control of. Um, But now I see just how incredible it is to bring these shows out of London and Mm -hmm. just how much the industry and the people of Manchester have got behind Hope Mill. Yeah. Um, it's quite extraordinary, really. And actually, from a, you know, from a reputational point of view, it's probably given me more um, praise than probably anything else I've ever done mm-hmm. because of that regional aspect, which is great. Which is why we're on the Stage 100 this yeah. year and last, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. yeah. <laughs> it's insane. And it's just like, I, I think
0: that um, there maybe used to be a, a stigma about working outside of London, mm-hmm. and since stuff like the Hot Mill has sprung up. People are like, I actively want to work there yeah, because of the policy absolutely. of the work. That's so cool. Absolutely. yeah. Maybe
1: because of some of the transfers too. And yeah. That is, it is amazing and it is, the talent we get is unbelievable um, now, well, all the time. I mean, from Parade, it was unbelievable and most of them Manchester-based. Um, very lucky. Just shows how much talent's out there. Mm-hmm. But I really want to... Every show that I sort of brought to the table was something that really had never been done in a fringe space certainly not in Manchester Mm -hmm. everything's a northern or UK premiere or reimagined everything from Parade to Yank to Pippin Little Women was UK premiere Mame hasn't been seen for 55 Mm -hmm. years Timothy Cratchit's a world premiere Mm -hmm. you know Rags was completely revised with Stephen Schwartz in the room so that was an amazing uh, few months working with him but um yeah it's it once you get to Hope Mill, you just you can't stay away, but you okay. do need to make sense of it. In the same way as I said to you at the beginning, you're just enchanted with the passion. My passion yeah. is so much that all of us threw ourselves in, earning nothing and subsidising these shows, because you can't make money from 100 seats. And even if the bar's selling you know, beer, Joe and Will aren't charging a rent from the show. So they've got to cover yeah. building rent, staff gas electricity internet mm-hmm. through the bar profits anyway so they end up breaking even just because of that anyway yeah. or making something that they then subsidize the show with so it's like that again people don't understand they go oh, a glass might say a glass of wine oh it's busy in the bar oh oh must be successful business but they're putting it back mm-hmm. in into the shows into the salaries yeah. you know it's um but without doing this amount of volume of work i'm not sure we would have made an impact as quick and i'm not sure we'd be where we are now yeah. yeah so hopefully it will mean we get rewarded in the future
2: yeah absolutely it will. absolutely and yeah. um, and you also produce the page to stage season um, and you're known as being a champion for new musicals in the country Oh, the uk Um, why is this so important to you
1: oh page to stage well that was a vehicle i set up in 2000 and i don't know it was six years ago to support new musicals um I wanted to create a system that financially would be better than just doing each reading as you go. And I wanted to help the mental health of uh, writers, mm-hmm. to give them an opportunity to actually have a chance to submit and be produced. And because there's not many for them. They sit there, sending an unsolicited script, getting no response, and trying their best to yeah. get someone to read their precious work. And I thought, well, at least I can do something where I promise I'm going to read everything and have a few people in my team read the scripts with me because it's too much for me alone Mm -hmm. and by then I'd acquired a really cool group of people that were willing to do that for a small amount of expenses so ultimately um, it was a vehicle for me to find the next best thing and the people I wanted to work with at the same time create a financial model that was better for the arts council to invest in because I was splitting their money across a whole season of work and promoting a whole wealth of work under one marketing budget Mm -hmm. and we've done a hundred shows hundred a hundred shows over six years um you know it's again my taste and my style and the models changed since doing it at the Landor to doing it at the other Mm. palace doing Mm. it at Southwark and now we're going to be announcing something different next year but it's um we're not doing it this year but next year we're going to be announcing something a bit different Mm. because now I'm actively (laughs) commissioning musicals I don't necessarily it's a lot of work for unless I'm really gonna find work I want to produce mm-hmm. and without having subsidy all the time it's a it's a lot to finance. Mm-hmm. So I realise my efforts are best placed on maybe commissioning and actually taking some of the talent I found through Patio Stage onto new other yeah. works mm-hmm. and then offering something slightly different um, next year when I'm in a financial position to do so which I can talk about soon. Ooh, Ooh.
2: Dot 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 Yeah
1: <laughs> I love it. So as we said before, um,
0: there's not really a support system for people who are at the top of the ladder and who are making all the decisions. Um, that was kind of my question, is, is there a support system? So if there was a support system, what would you like this to look like?
1: I think it's just about... Um, I do think that everybody that's involved in showbiz should understand a little bit more about what everyone's job is i really have to understand the pressures of my cast or under my press team my marketing my production management i have to understand that in order to do my job right i i don't necessarily think everybody understands what my pressures are i know i choose to do it so ultimately it's like well you you made this happen you are the one that started this so you know how can we help you but As you you know, mental health is just about mutual respect and understanding and communication. It gets very difficult the bigger show you do to have that communication Mm -hmm. working because you're not there on a tour, you're not there every day at your show, you're not there when it's a small house or when it's a big house or when someone's got a problem with a wig or I don't know. So um, I think it's really good for people to engage with things like this and learn about... The people in their industry yeah. just to be better you know better versed on it I think it would it's good for producers to get together and talk it's just good I have just to make sure I have good people around me like I say I have other people that get it like guy I have um, you know this is helping just talking now having understanding having some headspace where I leave my phone mm. where I walk the dog where I have a break but I'm very lucky because I am gem- generally a very sprightly person who can really bounce back from a low moment mm-hmm. and I think that, that uh, like I said to you I might change where I want to get to, what my real aspirations are what world I want to be in, what real corporate world of musical theatre I want to be in that, that might change through some of my experiences mm-hmm. but ultimately I don't think there's anything that could stop me potentially doing this i hope at this point obviously i'm still very driven despite having really bad you know having down days so yeah i think it's just talking isn't it it's doing it but actually if people understood more then there could be certain things that could change to help ease that blow next time if that makes sense it's very specific about the case and it's every group of people are different too. And mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, and it's also you becoming stronger with yourself and not being oversensitive and realising business is business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like a very simple case when, you know, any project where an agent asks you for more money, there's no point getting sensitive about it, they're doing their job. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and you can either say yes or no. Mm-hmm. They don't need to know the agent that you're not paying yourself that the same it doesn't matter that's your decision it's not the agent's Mm -hmm. fault or responsibility to know that and it's simple things like that not being uh don't get too emotional over decisions because it is show business Mm -hmm. and you know it is a business and it's um yeah it's that's perspective and you've got to give that to yourself as the business owner so you've got to talk to yourself (laughs) Absolutely. absolutely
2: Um, what do you wish actors knew
1: about being a producer or what what do you wish they knew about you mm, specifically well oh well that that I that I am in essence a very fair good person and actually if you work on aria show you do just need to pick up the phone and talk to me because I am very you know I'm there yeah. I'm there to be talked to obviously like I only have limited time but I, I don't want to be a silent voice. I don't do this to make a show and never see it and never mm-hmm. see the company working their asses off to make that magic happen. Um, you know, it's a long business. They might want to work with me again. I might want to work with them again. So do be good to each other. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you lose that great actor and they lose a good job if they don't work hard or in the good way. You know, you've yeah. got to remember mm-hmm. that. Um, they should just remember how hard it is at the top sometimes yeah. that sometimes the business doesn't work but you know you fight to keep it going to yeah. to keep them you know giving them everything they deserve and to not leave people without work you know i don't I'm not saying that producers that close shows have done something wrong sometimes it just doesn't work out mm-hmm. sometimes something's just really struggling so bad there is nothing they can do um are in the lottery and yeah. you can't get producers to keep a show open and remortgage their house. It's just not always viable. And Mm -hmm. it's really hard, and I get that. When people are out of work with two weeks' notice, it's awful. But believe it or not, the producer would have given up everything to even keep it open that long and to make it happen. So they should understand that. And obviously not everybody's the same. There are people that do work well as producers and others that don't treat actors probably as well, in the same way as some actors work really hard and some don't. So know who the good people are. Really do, and, and that's why it's really important to get a good company together and get a good mm-hmm. vibe from the audition mm-hmm. process and yeah. keep them solid, keep them together, keep them fighting. Um, yeah, I think uh, self-awareness and, and understanding that there's a bigger picture out there. It's not just your moment. Mm-hmm. So be be smart because people remember everything. And it's, there's, there's so much talent out there, so we always can f- find other people. That's not to say... That we're being um, what's the word like, like flipping. yeah exactly yeah. we just want to have happy people mm-hmm. Absolutely. you know and it's a really tough business you know you might think there's a big crowd in there and that you should be being paid more but believe it or not when you add everything up you you will see that yeah. <laughs> it is really hard I yeah. mean nine times out of ten you know, I don't know what the statistic is anymore, but seven out of ten shows I don't think make all the money back. So mm-hmm. the mass is it's a flawed economy and then everyone goes, Well, why do we bother? Because the arts are amazing. Yeah. You know? They are.
0: Exactly. It. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Katie, if you could give yourself a piece of advice ten years ago from where you are today, what would it be?
1: Oh, how old would I be? Um ooh. A bit of advice, like to be, oh my gosh, I don't know. Well, that everything would be okay, and just to be myself, because like, I wouldn't change anything. About in mm. fact, I'm much happier when I turn thirty. You girls will understand soon. <laughs> um, you know, I actually feel a lot more. For me, my journey, I feel a lot more settled with what I want, and um, I feel like on the edge of needing. A big, like, hit show, almost, with Aria, mm-hmm. and I feel like... But I'm not searching for it, because mm-hmm. I don't think that we'll ever find it. But um, I sort of need it mm-hmm. to sort of mm-hmm. do what I want to do and do more challenging new musicals. But, um, yeah, just to follow my heart and to continue, because I wouldn't change anything about my journey. I think I found where I am in my own organic way. And it was, I was always on my own terms, and that for that I'm really happy and grateful I figured it all out on my own I didn't no one told me no one helped me I didn't work for anyone else I just did it Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's brilliant because you've got control and power but it's lonely and hard so you've got to balance them so yeah I just just tell myself to be to to keep going yeah and see myself in 10 years (laughs) (laughs) I love it last
2: question could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Today? Any day, could you walk into a room and say, you're having a bad mental health uh, day? Could I admit it? Yes. Yeah. I'm
1: yeah. Totally. I'm not ashamed to say it to people I know. I probably wouldn't put it on social in that way, mm-hmm. because, like, that bluntly, because I have to, like, well, maybe I don't I don't know what it might say if that yes. makes sense, on social media, that's yeah. quite difficult, I can say, oh, if it's, I, I do actually put on social media, I put up philosophies, the last few days, I've put yeah. up things saying, you know, oh, I love walking my dog, it makes everything better, you know, you can make yeah. it quite clear, mm-hmm. but you've got to be careful sometimes, because people misinterpret, and when you are the boss, they think, oh gosh, mm-hmm. you know, what can I, but no, there's no, I don't feel there's a stigma, if that's, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. at all, I think it's absolutely fine, yeah, um, and if you feel you need to express I like to express I do I'm lucky like that I don't hold it in mm-hmm. yeah. which is I think is really good yeah. for my mental health because I think um, I understand how I feel mm-hmm. I, I really do know why I'm feeling a certain way like that wave yeah, I do know. feel it but um, and I often know the reason you know um, and yeah, as I grow up, even more, I feel it even more. Even when I watch things on telly, when I watch documentaries, even when you watch something silly like first dates, you see all those different first pers- you see all those different personalities. I know it's edited to hell, but like mm. you see all these personalities, you think, oh my gosh, how hard is it for people to get on mm. if they're not the right energy? Mm. Or they do get on, mm. and they match people quite well. Yeah. But anyway, the point the point is is that I'm I am much more perceptive. Yeah. As I've grown up, mm-hmm. and everyone's different. Yeah. But I that that has changed, and I think I said something very at the very beginning, like my show choices. It's not about the music anymore. It, that changed mm. quite a while ago. It's very much about the story and how the characters are and how they make me feel. And whereas as a younger person, I was enchanted by music. Similar as a singer, I was always singing in a certain way mm. until I discovered all the different parts of the voice, like the belt and the this and that, mm-hmm. because I just wanted to sound. certain way like Mm. a princessy Disney thing sort of sound it's really interesting Mm. I definitely know myself way more now but Mm -hmm. because I have observed how I've been in my 20s Mm. which well you guys obviously think way more than I probably did at 20 to early 20s but I don't know I just uh yeah I think it's great what you're doing thank
2: Thank you is there anything
1: else you want to Um, touch on just be kind, kind to each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Life is short. The industry is small. Um, try and understand. Try and understand that producers are human beings. They're yeah. sensitive to. They're trying to make the impossible possible. They have a lot going on that you don't see when they're not there. Um, so much, so yeah. much grief and so many components. Like a tree, imagine a million branches. Mm. They have all that to deal with. From everything, from every creative team member to every single budget line to every contract to every marketing campaign to every PR campaign, to everything for signing off a taxi for a press conference, like it's endless and yeah, it's it's really hard and uh, yeah, it's I think that's really important.
2: Yeah, completely. You're amazing. Thank you. Absolutely. You're amazing. We um, (laughs) finish. Have a finish the sentence game. So you. first thing that comes into your head.
0: Okay. You ready? A show I would love to produce in the future
1: is... Fiddle on the Roof. My Dinner.
0: ideal Friday night is...
1: Dinner. <laughs> <laughs>
0: my favourite Netflix watch is...
1: Ooh. Current. Yeah. Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. Uh, how to Get Away with Murder.
2: Ooh. Need to Watch Dead to Me. Yeah? On Netflix is okay. incredible. Do it. I love it. Yeah.
0: Um, a country I'd like to visit is... Thailand. If I could live anywhere in the world and not have it affect my career, it would be
1: uh, Spain.
0: Ooh. Uh, my favourite show I've produced is. Ooh, Cathy! I'm choosing between your
1: children. Sorry. <sighs> I might need a few minutes. Kay. There isn't an instinctive. My favourite show. Favourite, 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 favourite. One. I can only have One. One. one oh <laughs> return of the soldier oh Ooh. there we go There it is on
2: the program.
0: um my not so guilty pleasure is Ch- chocolate mm. yeah
2: <gasps> do you have a favorite brand
1: oh anything anything Living.
2: in the future i'd
1: like to is this to do with theater anything Whatever. oh i like to oh you mean i it could be anything. Yeah. I was going to say be happy, but I am happy. Right, stay, <laughs> stay happy. Stay happy. I like to stay happy.
0: And going on from that, happiness to me is?
1: Oh, it's waking up in the morning and seeing, see, walking out the window and seeing just Mother Nature and thinking, wow, isn't that beautiful? Oh, <laughs> I
2: love that. That's really cute. Katie, thank you so so much. You're absolutely amazing women. Oh, you Um, guys are. And I think a lot of people will gain a lot from listening to this. Good. I'm glad. Thank you so much for listening to Industry Minds and we hope you enjoyed this week's episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to listen to our new episodes which are out every Thursday. If you are interested in our counselling service, please email maryindustryminds at gmail.com or just get in touch with us. For news on future guests and events, oi oi, please check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts over at Industry Minds UK. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with you soon. Have a great week.